Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey. With me today, as always, is my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, everybody. And as usual, we're going to talk about RPGs, big and small, Western, Eastern. We love them all so very much. PC console doesn't even matter. We'll talk about them. And this week, I mean, we have a fair amount to cover. Um, we're going to talk about Fire Emblem Shadows of Valencia, which mm-hmm. is, I have the review copy in my hot little hands right now, not literally, but <laughs> um, I've been playing through that. I had some initial thoughts that I posted on the site earlier this week. I mostly want to talk about how different it mm-hmm. is because mm-hmm. it is a lot, like it's even more different than I was expecting, Nadia. Like, yeah, so actually, I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. Like I was, it, it's one thing to know it's another thing to actually play it and be yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's totally... <laughs> okay, this is a very different game. Um, we're also going to talk about Skyrim and how it is not the best RPG of all time. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be covering that, all right. Uh, because two lists came out from Game Informer and uh, from IGN of uh, just recently, mm-hmm. highlighting their top 100 RPGs and the Blood God, of course... Very interested in all of this. Of he course, wants I to mean, know. He wants to know more. He, the Blood God loves lists, and he loves RPG lists especially. Um, the Blood God eats them. But <laughs> maybe the Blood God's, uh, his blood was boiling a little bit when he saw that Game Informer put Skyrim at the very top. What? That was so, a very interesting choice, and we'll definitely be covering that in, in detail. And finally, we will be meeting our brand new addition to the U.S. Gamer family, Matt Kim. Hooray! Let's get started with the game that is coming out next week. Um, It's been flying under the radar a tiny bit compared to a lot of other games, mostly because the spotlight's still kind of on the Nintendo Switch, Mm -hmm. but um, uh, rather than the 3DS, which let's be honest, like contrary to what Nintendo was saying, like that system is kind of one it's winding down it's on yeah but at least it's going out on on a really good note like that uh Mm -hmm. nintendo 2ds xl is supposedly according to mike like just really handsome yeah you know if the 2ds the 2ds xl if it actually increased improved the screen quality i would totally consider getting it Mm -hmm. but it it doesn't does it it's just uh, the same yeah it looks pretty much the same in terms of the screen in which case no sale um (laughs) But, like, the ergonomics look phenomenal. Oh, yeah. It, oh it's just gosh. like, it reminds me of an ice cream sandwich. Let me tell you, if a system has a better screen, I will always buy it. Because, mm. like, I'm just a sucker for, like, a really nice crystal clear display. Nice sharp image. I remember the when I bought a Nintendo DS back in the day, like a DS Lite, I remember turning it on for the first time and almost being blinded. <laughs> By how much brighter <laughs> yeah. and better looking it was than the th- the the DS, like it was a game changer mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same went actually for the the 3DS XL, um, which a lot of people were like, "What's well, it's not as good as the uh, the screen is like blurrier and bigger." But it didn't matter. Like the yeah. the system was such an improvement over the launch 3DS that I was like, "Okay, now I can play this thing now." <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you weren't an early adopter for the Game Boy Advance then. I mean, I was. I bought one at launch, actually. Oh, okay. And um, I regretted it horribly. I bet. <laughs> because there were no good games for the thing, right? I mean, they had, what, Castlevania, Circle of the Moon. Which you couldn't see because the screen sucked. Yeah, exactly. And it had um, the Mario 2 remake. Mario 2, which 
I've come around to Mario 2, but at the mm. time, Mario 2, I mean, come on. Um, and then, so yeah, like for a long time, I was just like, no, no. But then I got an SP and I was like, yes. Yeah, SP is a really cute system. I, I still love the SP. I even got the new SP, the one that came out at the very end of its lifespan. Oh. Because it was, the screen was so much brighter mm-hmm. than the regular SP. It was amazing, like... That was the final form of the GBA. I still got it too. Like <laughs> I still, when I, it's actually kind of still nice to break out my GB, uh, break it out occasionally and play a GBA game on it. One of my my favorite like handhelds that is overlooked is the Game Boy Color. I played Dragon Warrior Three on that one. It had a great adaptation of Dragon Warrior Three, and it's I just love it. It was purple. I still ha- I think it's probably <laughs> somewhere around here, but uh, yeah. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. It's clear. One of those clear see through purple ones. Indeed. All right, so Shadows of Valencia, getting back to it, um, is a remake of Fire Emblem Gaiden, as Mm -hmm. we discussed previously on this podcast, which came out on the NES back in the day, um, known as a bit of a black sheep for the series, uh, because it just changed so much. It Mm -hmm. had like a a world map with mobs and like free-roaming dungeons. It was very strange. And... Uh, did not have the weapons triangle yet at right. that time, and it, uh, it it was lacking a few other things. So it was an interesting choice by Nintendo to remake Shadows of Valencia. Yeah, and it was. when they were like, people were going, "Oh, it's very different." Like, I knew, I kind of knew that it was different, but mm-hmm. I didn't really realize how different it was until mm-hmm. I started playing it. It is so different, Nadia. Yeah, it um it looks completely different. Uh, although I will say, just going off track for a second, I love the 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 art on the card. It's like little mm. two little sprites, which I guess kind of says it all, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, I know it's very old school, right? Yeah, it actually it's kind of the definition of old school Fire Emblem, right? From the art to kind of the gameplay, the way the supports work, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where instead of um. Uh, you know, having them meet up in between and have their conversations there, like they have them on the field. If they yeah, spend that, enough that's time totally next to old another. school. Yeah, definitely. And you can't link them together. Like you can't mm-hmm. have them actually join up uh, together, which is also another big difference that mm-hmm. literally just occurred to me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes a big difference, right? Like the fact that you can't actually put them into one. And yeah. so in that regard, it makes it feel like kind of an old school Fire Emblem. Well, one thing that does not make it feel like an old school Fire Emblem for me is the fact that I'm playing it on casual mode. Right. That's that surprising from you. Did you didn't you say you were going to avoid casual mode? or? Yeah, because <laughs> I am a classic mode snob. Mm-hmm. Like I always have been. Like going back to, you know... The, the original GBA versions, because that's just what I was used to. I was used to death ma- mode. But for some reason, just going into this one, I'm like, I think I burned out a little bit on Fates. Oh, okay. That would make sense, actually. So yeah. so how are you doing on casual? Do you feel ashamed or are you okay? A little, because <laughs> I can kind of brute force through a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a moment in Act 2 <clears throat> where you see an island. And I'm pretty sure that island is optional. Mm-hmm. And there is a pretty hard enemy on it. And that enemy was kind of kicking my ass a little bit. But I he only took out one party member. And I was able to brute force it mm-hmm. and take it down. And it mm-hmm. was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> that, <laughs> all right, fine. Um, whereas I think I wouldn't have been able to easily beat it 
um, on classic mode because right. I wouldn't have wanted to lose anybody. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just one immediate difference is that I'm a little more cavalier with how I use my characters as long as I don't lose my main character. Right. And actually, because if you lose your main character, it's game over. Yeah, the same old, same old. But you have this handy turn wheel thing, mm-hmm. which uh, will let you rewind time if you make a right. mistake. Right, right, that's right. So like if they die, if they die, like you can just go whoop. <laughs> You're back to life. I am Jesus. Yes, exactly. So though they only have a certain number of charges, so you have to get like cogs right, to like right. charge it up and everything. But uh, playing on casual mode, I. Mm, Mm. Mm. like no i'm like i actually am enjoying it maybe more than in the past because i've on classic mode i was always having to restart all the time yeah i'm not surprised and that's why i burned out right so does it feel like um like a famicom game with a 3d skin or does it feel like something worthy of the 3ds oh no it totally feels worthy of the 3ds okay um now i'm not super up on like what exactly it changes um Mm -hmm. but it sure does feel modern Mm -hmm. which i think is important um in the sense of like when you're in a dungeon like it's fully 3d and your character actually looks really good um and there's this cool little bit where like it has text like appear on the screen that is like establishing like the atmosphere of everything oh, that's cool i like that yeah i like it no it it actually does it it's like it's a very low kind of an analog way i guess <laughs> of establishing a mood but it works it works yeah that's great yeah no i like it um it feels like a persona dungeon mm-hmm, which isn't so bad well it depends which persona you're talking about i guess yes exactly uh maybe like persona 4 um mm-hmm. in the sense that there are enemies running around you hit the enemy and you go into a, into a fight okay so um and i thought it was going to be really annoying but it's kind of like fire emblem heroes like you just like roll through those battles really fast that's good that's pretty cool yeah um how are the the characters do you are you engaged with them or are they just kind of fodder well you, you saved them so i'm guessing that they must be they mean must mean something to you i mean so far, they're okay. Like, they're, <laughs> there's nothing, like, that's really standing out to me outside of the two main characters, Alm and Celica. Sil- yeah, um, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Celica, I think it is. I keep saying the Cecilia. Fact, the fact that I know who, what her name is, like, is probably telling. <laughs> <laughs> there, that, that's a point. You know her name. Woo! No, like, there are often times where, like, if I don't know a character's name on a show or, or a game, like, that tells me that, like, I don't, I'm not invested in that character. And hey, it's a guy with, with anime hair. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, anime guy. <laughs> yeah. And at least in the early going, like, they're split up, so they have their own armies. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're going to come back together or anything, but, so I guess that's given me an opportunity to kind of learn about them individually. Mm-hmm. But, um... I'm liking the story well enough cool. so far. Um, the So it's basically like two kids who are raised by this old knight. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like an empire. And when the kids, uh, at some point, the boy and the girl, they get split up. And she like is taken away far away. And mm-hmm. Alm is like training to be a warrior so that he can leave the village and like go find her, maybe. I don't know. Um, Something like that. And... He gets to the point where he's strong enough and he hooks up with the rebellion 
against an empire, which is a common Fire Emblem trope. Of course. And, um, like, starts leading that empire. So this is where the differences start to come into play, okay? Instead of, so you played Fates, if I recall correctly. You were playing Birthright? Uh, I haven't played Fates or Birthright yet. Really? No. I thought you had played it for some reason. You played Awakening. Yes, yes, Awakening I, I okay. loved. Yeah, you've totally played Awakening. Um, so, as you'll probably recall, in Awakening, <laughs> you had the random encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also had the... Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, my cat is, like, literally walking across um, the screen. He has, a, he has opinions about uh, a fire emblem. Oh, <laughs> It's so cute. I'm sorry. Yes. It's so terrible to talk about while he can't see, but he's just like headbutting cat while she's trying to talk about Fire Emblem. <laughs> yes, she is. yes, he is. Um, but I digress. Um, so as you'll recall in Fire Emblem Awakening, you will be going, it's going by chapter by chapter. And each chapter is its own map, right? Right. Its own bespoke map. And then you can also have kind of random encounters. Yes. Um, where, like, randomized encounters where you can level yourself up and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's Awakening, and that's a lot of Fire Emblems, actually. Like, mm-hmm. you have these bespoke maps, chapter by chapter. Maybe you have, like, kind of a hub area in between where, like, you can sort things out. Mm-hmm. In this one, you leave a village, you're looking at an overhead world map with a bunch of enemies on it mm-hmm. down a road. And you walk down the road, which is like a straightforward path, almost like Super Mario Brothers 3. Huh. And you walk into an enemy encounter, and and you see some enemies on a small map. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you fight them. Yeah, um, that's, that's very interesting. I like that. Yeah, it's very different. So mm-hmm. instead of like these really long kind of bespoke maps, you have much quicker fire encounters. Yeah. I actually, I actually wonder if maybe Nintendo released this particular game because it was so different, and like they're worried about maybe people thinking Fire Emblem is just more of the same over and over again. So they're like, "Oh yeah, I mean, it is." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not. I mean, it has different stories and everything, but for the most part, it's followed a particular formula. Yeah. Over the years, so this one, like, it's just so different. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but I, I, my understanding is that they picked the Echo's name because they wanted to. Uh, maybe um, start doing remakes and stuff? Yeah, I think we talked about that last time. And I was saying how I... Or both of us were saying we'd really love to see a remake of... Uh, what is it? Genealogy of the Holy War. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm totally down with the idea of some remakes of uh, the old the old titles. Yeah, the ones that never came out here. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, and there's a lot. So each chapter is you're going down... The world map, you're fighting enemies on these kind of smaller, quick hit maps, a little bit like Fire Emblem Heroes. There are towns that you can stop by in, mm-hmm. and when you're in a town, there's a first-person perspective. Oh, that's interesting. That you can point and click on things, and that's how you can, like, get items, like food. Like, food <laughs> is a thing. Food on and the ground. Click on food. Weapons. Um, you talk to people. That's where you can recruit people. Mm-hmm. And actually... Uh, I really screwed up initially, um, as I was talking about in my article, because I didn't recruit everybody. I wasn't even like thinking about talking to everybody in the village, and so I missed on um, two characters. Oh, is it the number one rule RPGs: talk to everybody twice, and you yeah, broke it. Yeah, well, I wasn't even thinking in those terms in Fire Emblem because you don't do that in Fire Emblem. Yeah, that's fair enough. 
So I was like really like completely thrown by that. And I was having a super hard time against an enemy that had like this leather shield. And like I was just like bouncing off it. I could not <laughs> beat it. And then finally I brute forced it, took him down. He killed like my entire party, but I was able to oh, get wow. him. Because casual mode. Of course. Um, and I went back to the village and there were the people that I should have recruited. I was like, oh, and were they well, just like glaring at you like you idiot <laughs> we were right here the whole time just a little bit <laughs> so i um uh but yeah so so yeah that is an interesting aspect that i think adds a lot of atmosphere maybe mm-hmm. uh to shadows of valencia and i kind of like it actually I, mm-hmm. I, I like that feature um, and then there are the dungeons of course which i already told you about which are also along the paths and so you're going down this path Exploring the dungeons, stopping into towns, and then at the end of the road, that's kind of like the next story bits are coming up. Right. Yeah. So, but there are story bits in between the battles as well. But when you said the end um, of the road, I started thinking of some boys to men fire emblem theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Never listened to boys to men actually. It might be a little bit past your time or before your time. No, no, boys to men was totally in my time. Oh, was it? Yeah, that was like when I was like in sixth grade. Oh, it was. Our, it I was did. our eighth. It was our grade eight graduation song. So. Like, Ugh. but I I didn't listen to the teeny boppy like mm. kind of stuff. Like, wasn't there a salt and pepper? Like, wasn't that a thing in like the early nineties as well? Oh God, yes. Oh my gosh! Like all my friends totally into it, and I was just like, do not understand. I'm gonna listen to my video game music on my tape <laughs> recorder now. <laughs> You're ahead of your time, cat. I was. No, I totally was. Uh, just ap- apparently, I told my parents that I was going to review video game music. When I got older, when I was like eleven, and they were like, "Ha ha! Nobody could turn that into a career." <laughs> How many times have I heard that in my life? <laughs> um, so, Fire Emblem Shadows of Valencia. Uh, I think the only concern that I have mm-hmm. at this point in the game, admittedly, it's still early, is that it's going to get too repetitive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, yeah. like in Conquest, in Birthright, and Awakening, you had maps that were quite a bit i would say m- more elaborate right um and interesting here they're really straightforward like mm-hmm. you have some terrain features like in act two you're like on a boat and Yay. you're like riding around on the boat and like you're fighting an enemy and like their boat is on the top your boat is on the bottom there are two planks connecting the two and they're like coming at you and you kill them really fast and that's the end of the encounter. Mm -hmm. So I could totally see that becoming like really kind of like boring. Right. Do you know how long the game is by any chance? Nope. No idea. But if it's anything like your average Fire Emblem, it's going to be like 25, 30 hours. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm enjoying it. It has a different flavor to it Mm -hmm. so far. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I definitely want to give it a try. I'll probably get around to that before I get around to uh, the other ones, uh, Fates and Birthright and whatnot. Uh, that's what I was going to ask. Is like you are not a hardcore Fire Emblem fan. Like, I no, would say I, that- I enjoy them. Um, I've played several on the GBA, and I've played, of course, Awakening, and I would very much like to play Birthright, Conquest, uh, etc. But um, I guess I'm a little intimidated by doing three games all in all in one swoop. So that's why I haven't mm. gotten around to it. Um, oh my gosh! Like like I said, I totally burned out on it playing mm. Birthright just because I got to a certain point and. Like the maps were taking so long, yeah. That it was just, and then inevitably, like a Pegasus rider or something would show up and take out my cleric, and I'd be like, "Oh Ooh. God, no, thank you." It made me so mad. Like I was, 
I liked Conquest a lot better than Birthright. Mm-hmm. I'll say that much. Though I think I liked the characters better than Birthright, mm-hmm. all, all told. But I really want to play Revelation, but I just, I'm not going to do that until I beat both of them. Yeah, I don't exactly. Know. I don't know when I'm going to beat, I'm not sure when I'm going to beat it, so... But I was going to ask, it's like somebody who's kind of the newer kind of form of Fire Emblem fan, mm-hmm. who's somebody who came in on Awakening. Like, what are your thoughts on Shadows of Valencia? Like, is this something that sounds appealing to you? Is the fact that they get rid of, like, marriage and stuff, like, kind of a deal breaker? I'm curious. Oh, definitely not a deal breaker. I, I am definitely interested in Shadows of Valencia, and I very likely will give it a try. Um, because I'm not totally anti-old-school Fire Emblem. My first one was... Uh, Right, Fire Emblem the for the Game, Game Boy. Boy, and I enjoyed yeah. that very much. And I think, uh, what was the other one? The uh, the one with Lynn. Um, the Sacred Stones, that's what I'm thinking of. Sacred Stones, gotcha, yes. okay. Yeah, okay, so that All one right. I played, and I enjoyed that too. You know, mm-hmm. I'll definitely give it a try, because even before Marriage, there were still interesting character interactions, there was still a good mm-hmm. story. Um, the gameplay is very satisfying. I like, it is just enough strategy for me. I get very intimidated with, with real-time strategy, but I'm okay with turn-based so yeah, I, I I can deal with it. Okay, that's interesting. I, I think the fact that it has casual mode still is like mm-hmm. something that will draw people in. Exactly. Um, I'll probably be using that, frankly. Uh, so much of Fire Emblem has become about like the waifu thing, though, <laughs> that I was just kind of wondering. <laughs> no, that is something I enjoy, but it's not a deal breaker for me. I, I can't speak for everyone, though. All right, Shadows of Valencia like is going to be out next week. Um, I believe the May the release date is May nineteenth, mm-hmm. and I will have my review up on May sixteenth, so you can look forward to that. I do, and we're going to probably maybe have a slightly longer discussion, or maybe about the same amount um, next week, where we will cover it without spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Let's move on to the next topic, Nadia. Um, all right, so I'm just going to preface this. Uh, normally, I don't care about... <laughs> um, n- normally, I do not care about lists, all right? Like, people have their own opinions. Sometimes they are the wrong opinions. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but I saw Game Informer's list, okay? Mm-hmm. And, like, there are a few things that jumped out at me about it. Um, one of them was that... Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 in the top 25. Ew. Uh, uh, not think, I'm thinking that this is kind of um, not the right answer. I mean, I know that there are a lot of people who are like totally into it. Um, I'm not. Uh, it's, been in, it's been interesting because I was talking to Katie and she was just like, Oh yeah, like I feel like everybody has a fire uh, a Kingdom Hearts phase when they're growing up. I'm like, yeah, Kingdom Hearts yeah. phase when growing up, sure. But she's <laughs> like, yeah, and I played that game so many times, but yeah, like Kingdom Hearts two, you know, you're just like hitting one button the entire game and then you finish it the end. All right, so Suikoden two is like number twenty nine. Uh, I'm sorry, that's a that's a number that's um, not too low as high i'm thinking okay that's that i'm just a sputtering and outrage here i'm sorry <laughs> all right here are the top 10 so are you're you saying that kingdom hearts 2 ranks higher than suikoden 2 yes kingdom mm, hearts mm, 2 mm, is number mm, 25 mm. and suikoden 2 is number 29 yeah all right here's here are the top the 10 now here are the top 10 final fantasy tactics is number 10 okay i can deal with that Baldur's Gate 2, number 9. Okay. Baldur's Gate 2 ranked pretty highly on both the IGN list and the Game Informer list. Diablo 2, number 8. That's an interesting, deci- that is an interesting decision. decision. 
I could see that being in the top 10. Though, yeah, I can accept that. Lots of staying power. Uh, KOTOR, number seven. Mm-hmm. Not a bad choice, yeah. actually. World of Warcraft, number six. Uh, mm. I mean, it's certainly influential and probably one of the... Uh, I, I think it's actually one of the best MMOs ever made. Oh, absolutely. Which MMO heads are going to go like crazy on me because they're like, filthy casuals, MMO, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But you no, know, World of Warcraft is so influential for it a is. reason. Like, no, absolutely. It, yeah. But I would also argue it hasn't aged as well as it could have, but I'm not a huge mm. World of Warcraft fan, so I can't say for sure. I'm now I'm always a little hazy on where MMOs should go on this list. Yeah. People have like strong opinions about MMOs just as a matter of course, right? Of like, course. Just yeah. Uh number five is Witcher Three. Okay, I ha- I do want to play that. Number four is Mass Effect Two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm, Mass Effect 2, hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hmm, because Mass Effect 2, that's a shooter. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, now, we were having, like, a big discussion about this a few episodes ago, and I was I was pitching the fact that Mass Effect 2 is has some really memorable levels and mm-hmm. some really memorable role-playing aspects to it. Absolutely. But it strips down so much of the RPG stuff yeah. from Mass Effect that it's just like, oh, I don't know. Top five? Oh, yeah, my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's a tough sell for me. Controversial. Um, number three is Chrono Trigger. Okay. Okay. Number two is Final Fantasy VI. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I, I would quibble with that. I would say that Chrono It's Chrono really interchangeable. Depends who you ask. Um, and number one is Skyrim. Wet fart. Um, Skyrim. Okay, I, I love Let me Skyrim, say that again. but it is not the best. Skyrim. Yeah. All Skyrim right, is, a, is a game where I once was walking through the woods, and I saw a horse staring at me, and I said, oh my god, what is the deal with this horse? And I went up to the horse. It was a hollow f- model. I, I walked inside this model, and it was just like frozen mm-hmm. in this eternal scream, and it was the most horrible thing I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> and this is only which was one of like 50 billion glitches I could I could regale you with over the years but yeah skyrim as much as i adore it it is not a well-constructed game <laughs> um it has its strength i absolutely. mean i've always kind of um maybe made excuses for skyrim because it's so big it's very very influential it, and making sandbox games like that exactly. is hard oh yeah uh like ex- insanely so that I almost give them a free pass a little bit for the bugs because it's just like, There's good a luck few bug testing literally everything in this game, okay? Yeah. But, okay. But so. Nintendo just made a much bigger game that has very few notable bugs in it. You know what I mean? So it can be done. Yeah. It can be done, yes. Um, so, Skyrim. Uh, like, I had, I just felt compelled to write a rebuttal because I was just like, <laughs> a game's flaw to Skyrim just can't be number one. I'm sorry. Like, there's no such thing as a perfect list, but there is such a thing as a wrong list. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they put, if the AFI, like, Institute put uh, Scream uh, 6 <laughs> as the number one best movie of all time, we would say that is an incorrect choice. Yes. If they said that The Avengers, which is kind of what this is, this is the equivalent of picking The Avengers as the best movie of all time. Or the best, uh, whatever. Uh, that's maybe the wrong choice. Like, The Avengers is not the best movie ever made. Yeah. Contrary to what some fanboys might be telling you. Um, so, uh, it's like, I had to say, like, as an RPG fan, Skyrim, I 
I actually love it. I love Skyrim. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have had a lot of very memorable experiences playing Skyrim and yeah, Fallout 4 me. for that matter. Um, I've always said that the story has not mattered as much to me as kind of the feeling of being on a holodeck. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story is too flawed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that they railroad you into choosing a faction. Yes. That's that flawed. Sucks. That's a huge, huge flaw. That's practically un- unforgivable. Yeah. I'm sorry. It is. And the combat. The combat is not good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I just so kind of like. From a systems perspective and a story perspective. It just can't be number one. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what would you rank as number one? Uh, probably Chrono Trigger. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with Final Fantasy VI or Chrono Trigger. I um, mean, I, I wouldn't pick Final Fantasy VI. I, I think it's one of the best RPGs, but from a system standpoint, it's maybe a little too flawed, and it's also pretty buggy. So. It, it is very buggy, and I will say, I think your opinion of Chrono Trigger counts as probably more than anyone's because you are playing the game for the first time. You don't mm-hmm. have the nostalgia glasses on. So it's really blown me away, and exactly. it's been incredible how well it's held up. Exactly. Um, I would have to do some more thinking to think about what my actual number one choice is. Like, the RPG genre is such a, a rich, rich genre mm-hmm. that, like, you honestly, there are a lot of really viable options for number one. But yeah. I certainly would not put Skyrim there. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. Like, you pick Skyrim, like, the choices aren't as meaningful as they could be mm-hmm. um it's way too easy to become overpowered like oh yeah have both a uh fire abilities and you can uh effectively wield a sword mm-hmm. like you you can be an all-rounder without any trouble whatsoever pretty much and the shouts and everything yeah and the shouts oh you can turn now, into a werewolf and a vampire and both I mean, yeah, it's a power fantasy, right? Like, you're like, oh, I'm going to marry a, a werewolf, and I'm going to be a vampire, and I'm going to have my own house, nah, 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 right? So it's pretty rad in that regard. Yeah, um, it, it's The a Assassin's fun Guild side quest is awesome. The which side quest? The, the Assassin's Guild one. Oh, that was great. I love that. Yeah, no, that's a phenomenal side quest. And here's what was surprising, but, like, at the end of the day, I was just like, ah, it's too flawed. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I uh, agree. It has staying power. It's clearly resonated with people. But. Yeah, although I will say now that uh, the, this list has come out and you know people have understandably written rebuttals like yours, people are saying, oh, the game was never good. No, it is still a good game. It is still <laughs> very worthy of, of sure. its recognition and its adoration, but it's just not the number one RPG of all time. <laughs> I think that it is... Uh, I love how big the world is, yeah. and I... I love how vibrant and alive it feels. And yeah. I liked that I never really like ran out of things to do in it. <laughs> and um, I think the dragons add a lot. The dragons are great. Although, but, uh, but, but, but I just, nah, here's, here's what stood out to me. The passions that it evoked. Skyrim evokes mm. a lot of passion. Oh yeah. A lot of people, Nadia. Like yeah. you should have seen the comments. I've seen them. <laughs> There's a torrent last time I saw. Here's what surprised me. There were the people who were like, this game is garbage. Yeah, exactly. No, it's not. There are the people who were like, this game is garbage. And there are the people who said, this game, no, you're wrong, cat. This game is the best game ever made. <laughs> like, you're just jealous and you're a Witcher 3 fangirl. And I'm like, what? You don't, you, Where did this I come thought you didn't from? like it so much. <laughs> 
apparently I'm a Witcher 3 fangirl now. And they're like, no, you're a Witcher 3 fangirl. Skyrim is the best. I did not realize that there was a Witcher 3 Skyrim uh, r- rivalry going on here. There's like an everything rivalry. It's crazy how it works. But Why uh, do you have to pick one or the other? I don't know. Why was there a rivalry with Horizon Zero Dawn and uh, Breath of the Wild? Because I guess they were both open world and it was like two separate platforms. Like, there were console exclusives on two separate platforms, whereas, like, Skyrim and Witcher 3 were on multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. People got to take like, their They were, like, they platform agnostic for the most part. So, yeah, I don't really get it. I think it's just because they're both highly lauded and have their own fans, and so there's inevitably going to be... Um, there's going to inevitably be rivalries. But, like, some of the comments... You're right, Skyrim is not the best of all, RPG of all time. It's not a patch on its predecessors, to be honest. But it's far, far superior to Witcher 3. I'm like, really? Oh, I mean, okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Whatever. But then we have the next one down. The Elder Scrolls games are not good at anything. Not one thing. Oh, my God. The stories I- suck. The combat sucks. The writing is dull. The graphics are subpar. There's no balance. The character progression systems are broken. The weapons are boring. Movement is floaty. The NPCs in this dynamic sandbox have zero personality. <laughs> don't do anything, etc., etc., etc. Wow. Tell us how you they really feel. quantity, and that's it. To name one of these games the best of anything is like calling McDonald's the best restaurant in the world because there are more of them than anything else. I kind of like McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> it is not the best restaurant in the world. I still like McDonald's. Like I said, inspires really strong opinions, mm. and it has no a kidding. hell of a modding community. Yeah, that's true. And I'm totally like, uh, am I like completely undermining my argument against it being the best RPG of all time? I don't think so, because I see where you're coming from. It's it's a great game. It's very influential, but it just if it was like a little less flawed, if it was a little more polished, maybe I'd consider mm. it. But it's not. Let's face it. Anyway, so uh, this just stood out to me. Now, IGN, interestingly enough, they also did their list. You know what they picked as number one? What's that? Crown Trigger. Okay, well, now we have the sensible choice. Okay, so can I just say, though, I don't think you can have a top ten without Suikoden 2 or Persona 4. Yeah, that's bullshit. So was Persona 4 not in either of their top tens? No, not even close. Wow, really? Yeah, can you believe that? That's crazy. No, what about, I guess, five is probably too early to put on any top Oh, yeah, it's way too early. Yeah. For sure, so... Uh, I mean, I would have. I I I have said that I consider Persona Four the best and most influential JRPG of the past fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Name a better one. Fight me. <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. Uh, it should be on there. IGN, their top ten was Witcher Three, mm-hmm. Vagrant Story, Diablo Two, Vagrant Story. <laughs> this is very similar. Vagrant Story. That's a weird choice. It Secret really is. Mana, Planescape Torment. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, World of Warcraft, Pokemon Yellow, Pokemon Yellow. Yellow. What the. F- what the f word because the okay first of all pokemon red blue and yellow are not even the best pokemon games okay it's just the ones that everybody remembers the best black 2 and white 2 is easily the best pokemon game i vote for sun and moon but that's just me uh baldur's gate 2 at number three final fantasy 6 chrono trigger um persona 4 came in at number 13 oh for i'm gonna do you say persona 4 okay yeah Yeah. so yeah that's what i meant persona 4 golden 13 and dark souls at number 12 and they put Mass Effect 2 over Dark Souls. I'm throwing my foot across the world. <laughs> She'll no, do it, I'm folks. not going to. I do not accept. Do not accept. I'm sorry. Dark Souls is one of the best games ever made. It is such a deep and beautiful and complex and interesting game. We named it number one on our top 15 games since 2000 list for a reason. Exactly. Dark Souls 
is a Michelin star restaurant of games. Okay, <laughs> there's a reason that people are so obsessed and fanatical with this series. There's a reason why amazing. why don't compare it to Dark Souls is a meme because everyone was comparing everything to Dark Souls for like a year. Exactly. I, I'm sorry. Mass Effect Two ranked too high. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mass Effect Two. It's a great game. It is not top ten anything. For RPGs. I'm sorry. Especially Bite not me. above Persona 4 or Suikoden 2. Hey, people. I'm going to have to admit right. some justice. <laughs> I'm done getting... I'm done getting... Uh, Mad at video uh, games. Uh, th- th- that's my list passion for now. <laughs> <laughs> passion of the list. <laughs> but my list passion is past. Uh, so, uh, I'm sure you have opinions. Um, and the you, I'm referring to you, the audience. And if you, you, if you, if you want to talk about your favorite RPGs or what you consider to be the best RPGs, then you should send us an email at usgamer at usgamer.net or drop us a line on social media at usgamer.net or on Facebook or just comment on the show notes, which will be <clears throat> on the main site. But uh, in the meantime, Nadia, let's go meet the new guy. Yay. New dude. All right, we have a third member of our podcast now, and that is Matt Kim, our new news editor, who joined us on Monday. And Matt is—he he enjoys his RPGs. Uh, Matt, what are your some of your favorite RPGs? Go. Hi. Uh, uh, I like Dark Souls games, and I like Personas, both of which yeah. are super popular now. So I'm I'm pretty happy. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> You're Get accepted. Right in. <laughs> All right, Matt. Um. What are your history with RPGs? Like, really quickly, like, how did you kind of discover the genre? And, like, what's your little own little personal history with it? Well, I, I mean, I guess uh, the first RPG I played technically was Pokemon. Uh, but Nice. Yeah, so I, and I didn't realize that that was, like, a proper JRPG until I discovered, like, more games. But then when I finally, like, sat down to play, like, a Final Fantasy or a Dragon Quest, I realized I actually didn't like those as much. Like, I kind of <laughs> oh, no. I kind of thought that the uh, that the the clicking and the and the magic spell casting and stuff like that was kind of boring for my for my young uh, attention attention span. Okay, that's fair. Brain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. But then you know, you, yeah. But then you play those for the stories, and that's that's makes up for it. But uh, it took me a while to appreciate that. But yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, it took me quite a while to um, get to get to the point where I could like properly appreciate. An RPG, um, as I've talked about in the past on this podcast. But uh, so, did you ever turn the corner on Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy, or are you still not much of a fan? Nope. I tried. Uh, I, I tried uh, Final Fantasy 13. I couldn't get into it. I got into oh, no uh, 14 for a couple months actually, uh, and that was a big surprise for me because I'm also not an MMORPG guy. But I, like Final Fantasy 14, I played probably longer than any other MMO I have. Uh, a long time but then i didn't pick up the expansion and so i kind of just like dropped off again but hopefully i want to i want to pick up the new one the stormblood so hopefully when that mm. comes out i'll be back on what is it about 14 that speaks to you because i'm not much of an mmo person rpg person myself and like i'm sitting here going yep it's an mmo all right <laughs> like i'm <laughs> killing rats and like i'm running around a world that looks pretty good but everybody's doing mmo things uh, so I'm, I'm just really curious, like, what about Final Fantasy fourteen in particular grabbed you, especially given that, I mean, you don't even really like Final Fantasy. Yeah, uh, I don't know, I was pretty surprised, too. It was, uh, I think 
one of the prettier MMORPGs I've ever played. Like, I mm-hmm, mean, definitely. I was I was aware of Warcraft and games like that, but I think on like a like artistic level, Final Fantasy fourteen has uh, like very little competition. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I remember booting it up. I think I joined in uh in a realm reborn so after the big reboot and i just like remember being like taken away by like how gorgeous everything looked even like on my pretty like mid-tier gaming laptop so i was pretty excited uh to jump in also a bunch of my friends were playing at the time and i think that's like kind of mandatory for any mmorpg you know when if you have buds to play with yeah uh, yeah, yeah having a group of friends that you can actually get into is like really nice yeah, uh, and I, I think for some reason it kind of just like reminded me of uh, like if the, like you see MMOs in like anime and you're kind of like oh too bad real MMOs don't look like that but Final Fantasy fourteen <laughs> kind of did and so I think that's also like a big part of it but it was mostly just I guess timing and luck and really gorgeous looks. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, Matt. Uh, I know that you are on the near Automata bandwagon with Katie. Um, I seem to recall you saying Game of the Year 2017 um, in our Slack channel, so make your pitch for it as Game of the Year. Uh, Well, I mean... No pressure. I mean, (laughs) it was... uh, I think think anybody who's played it uh, has, like, a weird realization that, like, this game that, like, kind of people made fun of for being, like, another one of those, like, Japanese waifu simulators, you know, with, like, (laughs) an attractive anime heroine uh, was kind of taken aback by how... How deep the storyline is, and uh, like I don't know. Personally, I teared up at the end after like playing through five times. Uh, You know, (laughs) which is like this really deep humanist message about what it means to be a person and getting along, and like anti-war. And it was really oddly moving, especially uh, with all the news that's happening these Mm -hmm. days. Uh, Yeah, it's definitely a game I want to play after I'm done with Persona Five. I think. Yeah, uh, and it helps that Platinum helped like refine the combat because I I did play the original Nier on the PS3 and the Xbox and those, like I tried my best, but it's just a real hard slog to get through mm-hmm. because it controls so poorly. And so it, you like the polish definitely helped. Uh, make do it you uh, sorry? Do you need to play the other Nier games to really appreciate Automata? Uh, not really. I I mean I got through about halfway through the first Nier and it's like. The themes of, like, like Yoko Taro's, like, main themes of being really incredibly sad and hopeful uh, is probably the only thing that the two games share. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there is there is an underlying, like, story, because they're all, like, based on the Drakengard games. Uh, yeah, and, which I, I know a little bit about, but I'm not, yeah, like, and there's, too versed. I guess, like, this huge mythos, but I, I mean, I got through just fine without it. Uh, oh, okay. it's, yeah, it stands alone pretty, pretty solidly. All right. Yeah, uh, that was the same with Drakengard 3, to be honest, which um, was, it told a totally different story from the first Drakengard. Um, I didn't play Drakengard 2, so I can't really speak to it, but I'm pretty sure that there's, as Matt was saying, an overarching, like, kind of universe or arc, but, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think every game pretty much ends with the universe being destroyed anyway, (laughs) so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) Reboot! Uh, Taro Yoko is kind of a, a nihilist, I've noticed. Yeah. Uh, really interesting guy in person, actually. Um, but, so, I have a number of friends who are playing Nier Automata right now, Matt. And w- I've been told that the opening level is amazing. And, like, one of the best opening levels that they've seen. Like, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with that? 
Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, what stands out to me is how the game ended, actually. And, you know, the game makes you play the opening level, like, three times in a, uh, like, because each you have to replay the whole game five times if you want to see, like, the true ending. So, to be honest, I was kind of, like, tired of playing the same opening because that was, like, <laughs> I think the one thing that kind of carried over each playthrough. But, yeah, it was really good. It was, uh, it was uh, big. And I think it's, if you played the demo, I think it's, a good chunk of the demo is also the opening. So if you played the demo, then you got a good idea of how fun and uh, what kind of like tone the opening sets. I'm totally getting um, live, die, repeat, edge of tomorrow um, <laughs> like vibes out of this. Like, because of course that's the Tom Cruise movie where he's basically living to- Groundhog's yeah. Day, but he's going through the same D-Day like invasion every time. It's a Groundhog Day extreme. <laughs> Um, and he has to like initially like it's a really scary battle and like he's it's really intense but then you know he keeps every time he dies it gets revived and he has to redo it and that there's a certain point by like the middle of the movie where he's just like yeah yeah okay get through the battle just uh, shoot the people (laughs) save the guy all right here's the thing okay I'm just trying to get a little bit further Uh, live die repeat is the movie that has no save checkpoints (laughs) (laughs) poor Tom Cruise a commentary on video game meta. Did you ever see Live Die Repeat, Matt? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I actually really dug it. I was bummed that it didn't do that well, but I thought it was like, mm. thought it was hilarious. Uh, yeah, I know. It had a really dark sense of humor. Yeah, yeah I think that I like montage when uh, Tom Cruise just kept dying over and over again was. <laughs> 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 yeah, he totally just made the like, yeah, perfect, <laughs> excellent. Um, so all right. Matt, what do you look for in an RPG? Do you like look for kind of good systems? Do you look for like good story? Like, um, what are you looking for? I think I think uh, a lot of the like RPG systems have always kind of uh, bored me. Like, even in my favorite RPGs, like Dark Souls, I've never been a huge fan of like stats mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, so I guess the only thing that ever like puts me through, uh, like gets me to like finish an RPG is through good story or good world or, uh, more narrative and visual based than, uh, like combat mechanics or anything like that. Hmm. So you're thinking more in terms of just like narrative and storytelling and that kind of thing than actual mechanics. But so, so it seems like you're almost more like genre agnostic um as long as it tells a good story and has a compelling world like you're fine with it like you're not drawn in particular to rpgs uh yeah pretty much i think that's my that's my big thing about most video games is i am willing to try out most things as long as there's like some sort of central narrative or visual mm-hmm. hope that gets me mm-hmm. um, i understand that yeah and i think that's kind of uh the big thing with rpgs in particular because I think if it just had, if it like prides itself on having a complicated system, I might get just get bored of it if it doesn't have mm-hmm. anything to back it up. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. If it yeah. Has a complicated system, <laughs> Here comes Cat's totally... counterpoint. <laughs> <laughs> like that can be enough substance for me to be mm. perfectly honest. Like I, like I think a, a good story really helps, but I, I spend so much time just obsessing over how I'm going to compose my party and like build up uh my characters that that in itself is a story for me so and if it doesn't have good uh good systems like like it better have an amazing story to keep mm. me engaged is mm-hmm. what i'm saying so so would you say dark souls is your favorite rpg yeah but yeah probably probably my number one uh yeah without contest i mean i yeah let's just leave it at that it's pretty it's pretty much my tops 
Yeah, we were just arguing about that, or not arguing so much as ranting about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and by we, I mean me. Um, <laughs> because on the so IGN and Game Informer were doing their top 100 RPGs, and uh, IGN, I think, had it Dark Souls at like number 13, and I don't even know where Game Informer had Dark Souls, and I was just like, going how can you put mass effect 2 ahead of dark souls it just it does not compute i'm sorry it does not uh it's a sin what we're gonna have to do is just put we're gonna have to put together our own one top 100 list nadia Uh, i guess this is a job we have to do we just have to service the world as we always do blood god approved (laughs) (laughs) believe in this list and you you shall be saved all right, Matt. What are you doing for the site these days? Like, you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're bringing to US Gamer. Well, I'm uh, I'm happy to be I'm happy to join US Gamer. Uh, I'm excited to unearth the the stories that needs to be unearthed for the sake of video game journalism, which I think uh, is at a real turning point. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I feel like it's we we've turned the page and we're we're taking video game journalism seriously, and I like to. Uh, help both promote that and like push push that forward and improve myself uh, mm. so and I think that's uh, that's my big goal for uh, for as part of uh, US gamers as a US gamers news editor yeah so far you've been pretty great good work I think that's a, an admirable goal for sure um, definitely and US gamer has always maybe like taken a more serious minded approach I think well the heavy a heavy dose of quirkiness and today I wrote about spiders inside of games. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. That's an actual nightmare of mine that I just opened Ugh. a new game and there's just a big tarantula in it. All right, Matt, welcome aboard, Thank and we'll you. talk to you to again here. soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, we're back, and we're just going to wrap up really quickly from comments from the previous episode. People had plenty of things to say about the fact that Nadia, you bought the After Years three times. <laughs> and weirdly enough, like, there are actually plenty of people who agreed with you. James Todd 15 said, only three times? Poof. I haven't even played half of it, and I own four versions. Whoa, now that's hardcore. I'm trying to think, okay, you'd have the Wii version, you'd have uh, PSP, you'd have uh, probably iOS, and probably, yeah, Steam, that could be done. Uh, Victor Hunter says, as an After Years apologist, I stand in solidarity with Nadia. There are so many good parts that I get just get wrapped in a horribly unfound package. I'll be damned if Luca, Kalka, and Brina aren't some of my favorite characters in the 4 universe. I also adore the final dungeon and boss. Yeah. I swear I will move back to Toronto if it means I ever get to talk to someone about After Years again. <laughs> I think we talked about it once. We got together for lunch and we were talking about like Final Fantasy. We were, yeah, he's my Final Fantasy Four buddy. We talk about that whenever we get together. But he had to go back to Vancouver. BC, rather. Uh, we also talked about Trails in the Sky um, and Morrowind. Um, Satellite of Love has things to say about um, the Trails series. He says... That the thing that he likes to talk about trails is how it's wheels within wheels. What I mean by this is there are short-term plot beats, chapter-wide beats, game-wide beats, arc-wide beats, and series-wide beats for both plot and characterization. Multiple layers of these are ticking over in both the foreground and background throughout these games, providing a ton of fun to soak oneself in. Or if you don't want to go deep into the world building, skimming the surface can suffice. It's really neat that way. Mm -hmm. So when you get the third being an epilogue, it's more than that. 
We're seeing more beloved. We're seeing some beloved, realistic, and larger than life characters again, perhaps for the last time in this. But wait, there's more. <laughs> we also get a self-contained story of Kevin insensitive jerk Graham. Plus, it behaves like a necessary bridge to the Crossbell games as they had to set those up. Some call that recycling. I call that efficient. <laughs> as we're getting some of that sweet, sweet writing and music instead of asset porn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can appreciate that. I like that term, asset porn. Yeah. Like, I think that's the only thing that you could ever put into video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorchadas, hooray for Morrowind. I started with Daggerfall, but I'm definitely one of the people who thinks Morrowind is the best. The story and world building, anyway. Even at the time, the gameplay was clunky and weird, and it's only gotten more so since then. I hope the people making Skywind can, Skywind can pull it off, even if that means the best Morrowind mods, like less generic NPCs or Uvris Legacy, won't be compatible anymore. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, that's a uh, Morrowind mod that makes it more like Skyrim. Yes, yes graphics-wise, and <laughs> I like that. Uh, Link six six one six. I don't have. Don't worry, Nadia. I don't have After Years as much as you, but I still have it twice. I'm really amazed by how many people have it <laughs> multiple times. It's like I said, like on, on one of the pieces I wrote on my own site. It's like having a beer with old friends, even if those friends are like stabbing you in the in the hand every ten minutes or so. It's just fun to hang around them. Just you gotta ignore the abuse. Did you ever see the World's End? The World's End. The, is the, that a... the movie by Edgar Wright? No. It's like so in that movie, uh, Simon Pegg plays a a guy who was kind of like the annoying goth type, <laughs> like over the top cool dude in high school mm-hmm. who never grew up mm-hmm. and is still doing that after in his into his forties. Oh boy. And, like, gets together with his old friends and, like, is totally mortifying them because <laughs> they're like, oh, man, I remember when we used to play this music in high school. Remember I made you that mixtape? Yeah, it's that. Mi- this is the mixtape. You're, you're playing that mixtape? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> he's, like, wearing the same clothes and everything, but he's, like, balding. It's really cringy. It's great. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. So my point is that, is that that's basically the after years. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. Although everyone's kind of everyone in the after years has grown up and had kids of their own, and it's still kind of gothy though. I mean, Kane never friggin' stops. All right. So if you want to have your comments read on the podcast, send us an email at usgamer at usgamer.net or um, uh, drop us a line in the show notes. And we may read it or follow us on social media. Uh, Axe of Blood is US Gamer Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, wherever podcasts are sold, Google Play. Mm-hmm. Um, do us a favor, please rate and review this podcast because uh, the I mean the blood god his gospel must be spread. I agree so that people can uh, properly appreciate RPGs, which are the best genre, mm-hmm. at least in my humble opinion. Um, and yeah, no, see next week I will be gone, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to try and find time to record a podcast. Um, it's going to be tricky, so the podcast might be a bit late on Friday, but. We'll make it happen, Nadia. You're a true disciple. Uh, I am. And plus, you know, we have a little more Shadows of Valencia talk. And mm-hmm. We have lots of things to cover at any given time. It's uh, always something. On plate? What's on your plate, Nadia? I'm finishing Persona 4, and mm. I'm playing Persona 5. And um, I really got to get the last done. I got to get the last of, of Zelda done because I am pretty much at the end. But I, it's one of those games where you don't want to finish it because then it's over. And then you're sad. I know that makes no I've sense. I've had multiple friends. I can see you moving your that. eyes at me. <laughs> I've had multiple friends tell me that, actually. Um, 
who are like going yeah no like breath of the wild is like i am literally sad to have it end and that's quite a special game for you know that's quite the special experience in a video game yeah although i will say that um one thing that does help and is making me reconsider my position is dlc is coming so i can keep on playing like i I might even just finish the game and then i'll go back and like finish up the rest of those shrines etc once the dlc drops and just do it in tingles outfit like an idiot (laughs) i i know there are people who have finished Persona 5 twice now, and I'm like going, are you human? Yeah, I'm not sure how that's possible. I, I guess it's possible somehow, but I, I I don't understand how they're warping time. I'd like lessons, please. I've been distracted by Persona... F- I, I've been distracted from Persona 5 by Shadows of Valencia and also Heroes of the Storm. Really? <laughs> yeah, I can't stop playing Heroes of the Storm. Since it came back with Heroes 2.0, um, I started it up again, and like I just periodically get sucked into it and the next thing i know it's been like two hours have you seen that meme where like uh, a little child is holding like his father's hand saying father why don't they love me it's like i don't know a little one but it is of no concern i will make them love you it is about google plus but people put on whatever they want for it so mm-hmm. one of the memes i saw was like uh blizzard was the adult and uh here's the storm of a little child saying why don't they love me father i don't know little one but i will make them love you <laughs> You know, if you go to the Heroes of the Storm Reddit subreddit, the fans there are very defensive about Heroes of the Storm. Like they are, like they, mm-hmm. anytime anybody slags on it or like goes that Heroes of the Storm is garbage, they like get pissed <laughs> off. Which is interesting because if you go to like the Hearthstone community, all people do is complain about Hearthstone. <laughs> <laughs> this game sucks, and I can't stop playing it. I mean, Dota 2 fans are also, like, similarly passionate. Mm -hmm. So to have that kind of passionate community probably says something, like, Mm -hmm. that there's something to this game um, and that people are being unfairly dismissive. Uh, There was a Penny Arcade comic not too long ago in which, I mean, it's Penny Arcade, whatever. And, like, they were taking shots at Heroes of the Storm and they were going, Uh oh, "Oh, yeah, like, I was losing, but it, like, took 45 minutes to lose. And I'm like, Heroes of the Storm games don't take that long. They take, like, 20 (laughs) minutes max. That's why I get through them so fast. It's, like, literally, that's why I can't play any other MOBA because I can't can't stand to take an hour to finish a game. Mm -hmm. Um, But Heroes of the Storm done in 20 minutes. But, yeah, but it's unfortunately sucking away too much of my RPG time. And I got Shadows of Valencia sitting next to me. So Get back to work, Kat. Get back to work. Play more video games. <laughs> Play more video games. Play more video games. Okay. All right, everybody. We'll be back next week as always. But until then, I've been Cat Bailey and for Nadia, Matt, and myself. Thanks for listening. Play more RPGs and we'll see you again. Happy adventuring. Mm-hmm.